I'm Euro. I'm Chris. And, and this, this is Fork Bomb. Bomb. Wednesday, June 21st, 2017. Episode 12, What If GUI, or Graphical User Interface, Operating Systems Never Existed. Eric is back, again. Hooray! Hi, Yay. Eric. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome back, as always. Thank you again. Pleasure to be here. So, Eric, we're going to try to coerce you to become one the third us. host. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to do another okay. what-if episode. Um, purely specul- speculative. What if graphical operating systems never happened? Um, that doesn't mean that graphical applications never happen, just the operating system itself never caught on to the whole graphical user interface thing. Um, so a little bit about the, the GUI history. Um, so the first mouse based on a, on a GUI was demonstrated by uh, Douglas Engelbart and his presentation of Augmenting Human Intellects, uh, also known as the Mother of All Demos, on December 9th, 1968. The first computer to demonstrate the desktop GUI metaphor was the Alto Personal Computer from Xerox Park in 1973. The Alto was also the first to demonstrate windows, icons, pop-up menus, and many other GUI concepts. Apple made the first commercially successful GUI-based OS in 1984 with the launch of the Macintosh. And that springboarded us into the graphical world that the majority of us live with in our computing environments uh, today. So, for a brief history of the command line... Very brief. Very brief, uh, but it was hard to um, elaborate more without getting too too technical about it. The first command lines were teletypes. They were basically typewriters for input and printers for output. They made horrible amounts of noise. They've been in use since the 50s, uh, up until, I guess, the 70s, when they were later replaced by video display terminals. They were typically used on mainframes, early Unix systems. Um, Even saw a video of one being used with an Altair. And so now we live, for people that do use a command line, it is a much more evolved version of the early video display terminals. So before we get into speculating, let's briefly cover for anyone, the minority, who might not know what it's like to use a GUI and what it's like to live and use, live with and use a command line interface. Using a GUI entails using a, uh, some sort of, some sort of device that will assist with interacting with the elements on the screen. So most of the time we use a mouse. Uh, some people use a light pen and, um, and now we're starting to use our, our hands. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to be talking about the mouse, and that is what we use to to uh, to input our commands into into the computer. So the the mouse interacts with various graphical elements, and it allows you to open programs. It allows you to uh, manipulate the computer and, and to to make it do whatever you need to do within the constraints of your graphical operating system. There's also things like Windows that can be dragged around, stacked on top of each other. Buttons that allow you to control those windows. Menus that allow you to find the programs that you're looking for. And most importantly, there are uh, graphical standards with which to with which the, those items are all um, represented. I think it's also important to point out that 
Even manipulating text can be done with a GUI. You can certainly uh, use the mouse to copy and paste text. You can use the mouse to resize text and to format in any, any which way you, you need to. So it has brought on the, the whole WYSIWYG or what you see is what you get uh, environment to, to people. So, so they've been able to make websites, make documents, make presentations the way that they envision it. So a GUI has assisted users with, with developing all of these things. Eric, do you want to uh, take what it's like to use the CLI? Uh, sure. Um, so using the CLI, the command line interface, you mostly run commands. Uh, you Sometimes you get a full screen ap application that's either text mode or graphical, but it's always going to be uh, different and unique to that particular software. And uh, navigation isn't going to be as easy because you don't always have the same consistent interfacing. Uh, the command line can be difficult for novice users because it's more involved. A lot less people would be using computers because of it. Um, it can be a little bit harder to multitask because you're not... Command line interfaces doesn't give you the whole windowing interface like a graphical user interface does. Um, and visualizing your environment, it's pretty much a black screen, usually, with a, a command prompt waiting for input. So you can't always kind of really gather what you're going to be doing until you actually know what you're doing. And like I said uh, earlier, their you know graphical interfaces w aren't always consistent because each different developer had different ideas of how they wanted something to look. And so on and so forth. So really, definitely a different world altogether. So Eric, you and I both uh, hailing from the Linux and Unix world. You and I live in the command line. Euro, you live mostly in a GUI. Use mainly Windows machines, um, Macintoshes, and graphical Linux desktops. Um, so part of this will be speculating: what if we never had a graphical? operating system with which to come up with a graphical standard with, but that does not imply that there are no graphics, there are still graphics, um, whether gra they be graphical applications, videos, whatnot. Um, and it might partially become a debate on uh, pros and cons and which one is better, <laughs> or if the world would be a better place without the GUI or not. Round one. Fight! Fight. <laughs> so, the pros cons list for a command line interface. The command line is expert friendly, meaning that if you know what you want, it's there. You just type in what it is, things happen. Um, it also, When you know what you want, it also makes you faster. There's no clicking, no hunting through menus, no dragging, and it makes you physically faster because it's faster to move your fingertips than it is to take your entire arm and move and move a mouse around. Uh, with a good command line environment, like in the Unix and Linux world, you can easily script actions. Uh, the majority of my time is spent writing bash scripts under Linux, and I can make them do pretty much whatever I need to. I guess there is some possibility of that in the Windows PowerShell world too, and we've all written our fair share of early DOS batch scripts, but the point is that it's scriptable, automatable. Uh, and much easier to do so than it is in a graphical environment. Uh, 
Command line applications take far fewer system resources because you don't have to load up all the graphical stuff into memory. Um, doesn't have to be read from the hard disk. It's just you type it in, give it some input, it gives you some output. Done. Eric, do you want to con- continue on from here? Yeah, sure. Um, operating systems uh, would be a lot smaller because the graphical user interface takes up a lot of space in both hard drive and uh, memory. Uh and binaries, the storage that's actually used on the hard drive. Uh, a lot of other things would be the command line would uh, be vastly more different than any types of operations. Uh, such things like different command lines, different commands take different command lo- command options. Uh, like if you wanted to use ls to list a file, you would, if you wanted it sorted in a different way, you'd have to use different arguments and you'd have to know those arguments or have a means to find those arguments which makes it more difficult. Um, one thing that the command line does allow you to do, though, that's very powerful, is uh, piping commands to another command. So, for an example, uh, we could be taking a- a- an audio stream, recording it from one tool, piping it to a tool that sends it over a network to another system, and then from that same connection, have a tool receiving that and piping it to a- some kind of output filter so that's one thing you can do with commands on the command line. Um, a vast majority of the server-side software is command line driven today, like Apache, uh, various different FTP servers, and it, mail servers, basically anything you can think of for a server. And oftentimes the interface doesn't change too much. Once you learn it, you know it. So it keeps consistent over time and lets you learn and remember what you're learning if you keep it up. So so the whole thing about the pros of command line interfaces are great and everything, but I mean, in my opinion, I, I, I think that if the world had just stayed with command line interfaces, we would have had a much smaller computer revolution. I mean, it, I, don't, I don't really believe it would have ever hit mainstream uh, or quote unquote mainstream. Um, what, uh, what benefit would that have for small children if they, if they had put a computer in front of them? And all they saw was text. I don't. I don't really think that they would want to engage with a system like that the same way that they would engage with, let's say, an iPad, um, smartphones. They all use GUI operating systems. So if we didn't have that today, I predict a lot less people would be using computers. Yeah, I definitely. I I can't say on on that side of things because I, I'm one of the the few that got into computers at a really really young age, but. I can definitely see that being a major difference because back when I was using computers, nobody else I knew besides my own family were really using computers. So uh, probably a small handful were, but I don't think it would be much different today if that was the situation. This is going to be entirely selfish, but I don't see fewer people using computers as a bad thing. But that's because for a brief time, I was a member of a technical priesthood that... um, Occult. That Keep going. <laughs> knew a lot more than other people about computers. I mean, now now us Linux admins are a dime a dozen. But um, and having had to work in IT and support uh, regular users, I think uh, fewer people that have no idea what they're doing would not necessarily be an entirely bad thing. Well, I mean, think about it this way: if if you had less people using computers, you have less chances of one of those persons coming up with a great idea like 
an eBay or a Facebook, um, anything, an Amazon, uh, you have less chances of somebody coming up with those ideas, with, with those things, than you would if if computers hit the mainstream and therefore everyone had access to computers. Not that they wouldn't have it. Not that they wouldn't have access to computers if they were strictly uh, command line driven. But like I mentioned before, the the graphical aspects are what make it attractive to newcomers. They you don't feel as afraid to approach the machine and to interact with it. I, I think that uh, that the world wouldn't benefit from that, and maybe even less investment in, into computers would be made because, well, less people would be using them, so there's less of a demand for them. Right. Fewer, fewer people, less money, no money trail, no investment. And, and that's not to say there wasn't any money in it. Absolutely not. I mean, there was plenty of money uh, back then, as as we've had our other discussions on the uh, the Commodore 64, and um, I'm not going to mention the Amiga this time. I'm not going to mention the Amiga this time. Not going to mention the Amiga this time. The Amiga is great. <laughs> I love the Amiga. The Amiga is awesome. The Amiga is wonderful. Too, too late. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but as we've mentioned with these other computers, uh, the the Pet being another one, I remember uh, Eric you talking about that one. There was yep. plenty of money back then uh, around computers, but I don't think that the amount of money and the amount of innovation that is going on today. Uh, which which really catapulted somewhere in between the mid '80s to the mid '90s, uh, and I strongly believe it really catapulted after Windows '95. Um, I, I don't, I just don't don't see that amount of innovation and creativity coming out from computers nowadays without it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, to a point, I can also see that as well. I mean. From a community standpoint, I was in, you know, involved in the BBS world, so there was a lot of things going on there, and that was, you know, an all-text world. Um, I, I was trying to envision other things uh, that the command line could do, especially nowadays. So in our hypothetical situation, we're th- we're saying that there were no GUIs invented. So in this though, and now being the the year twenty seventeen. We are in what they would call the future. By they, I mean the people in the 70s and 80s. Um, so taking the account that we have no GUI operating systems, where do you think we would be today with command line interfaces? Uh, I mean, Linux. the Linux command line is, is amazing. And it does stuff that I didn't even know was possible until Chris does the show-off thing. And then I'm like, oh, and then I understand. Uh, but... Um, I didn't even know it was possible to do these things with command line. So where do you think today we would be in, with the command line? Would we be able to do desktop publishing? What about the web? How we use the command line today was pretty much figured out by the 70s and the 80s. Uh, once once Unix got pipes, that was the single biggest achieve, historical achievement in my mind. And pipes, as was previously mentioned, you can take the output of one application and pipe it to another. There's this practice called the Unix philosophy, and the rough version of it is applications should only sh- applications should be small, single-purpose tools that can be strung together as parts of a larger whole. So, for example, you have a whole bunch of log files, and you want to make sense of them. So, you can take a, a single program that is just good at searching for a piece of text, and it'll spit out all, all the matches, and then you notice, oh, this lines up nicely in the column. So you use a, a another program that can uh, uh, that can 
isolated just down to one column. So then you're, then you're like, well, you know, I would like this to be uh, sorted alphabetically. So then you can send that to a sort command and sort it, sort it alphabetically, maybe in the process, uh, tell it uh, to deduplicate de it. And all of this can happen from just one command, grep, pipe to awk, pipe to sort. And there you have a larger, um, larger utility than you would if you just had a single graphical application that could just do one thing that was stuck in its own world that couldn't send data anywhere else. To answer your question, in my opinion, I think the command line world would still be pretty much as it is now, with few exceptions. So I, I think you hit it. I mean, you're right that certain applications are great at doing certain things. So in the GUI world, you're interacting with, yes, it's, it's excellent at multitasking. However, in the GUI world, you're stuck within the constraints of that one application until you hit save or until you somehow export that and put it into another program to continue the quote-unquote pipe. While in the command line world, you can just do it with a single string and bring it within a uh, uh, within numerous amounts of applications to get your desired result. So that's that. I see that as a very strong plus. Uh, I see that as as something that uh, the GUI has not been able to yet become as as good as, as the command line interface. And um, and honestly, I, I'm not really sure in the future if it will ever be as good as a command line interface in that. However, in our scenario about uh, about never there have that that there was never any GUI operating systems invented, being in the year 2017, what do you think, Chris and Eric, about the future of technology today had GUI systems never been brought up? So think smartphone, think tablets, think the internet, think desktop publishing, think think of all of these things, uh, WYSIWYG. And you guys with, with your command line knowledge. But today, I mean, you know, it, it has been, what, almost 30 years, 30 years plus in this. Do you think that it's possible there would have been a, a that, that there would have been a possibility of, of computer scientists coming up with a way of creating websites and, uh, and marketing? Marketing is another really big thing. It brings in revenue. So marketing and, and all of these various things, uh, do you think that that would have been possible had the GUI not ever been invented? I definitely think it would be have somewhat of a possibility. I mean, instead of having like a standard window interface like Windows, you might have a browser that had its own graphical interface, but you'd run it as a separate program by itself, and you'd be browsing uh, inter uh, websites or whatnot. Uh, I do know that in the earlier days, uh, BBS has even had a graphical BBS, like, robo-term. And it was, you could log into the BBS with a, a text interface, or you could log into it with robo-term and get a graphical user interface. But it was just that program doing it. Um, so it is possible. Um, definitely wouldn't be quite the same. Uh even CompuServe did something like that, where you could log on to the, the the CompuServe service, and you would get advertisements in either text form or if you well, I I would say that if you logged into it with a graphical version, but that was actually a Windows product, so I can't go there. But even the CompuServe text client had means of getting information and advertisements 
uh, all sorts of different ways. So I think it would be just an, a further enhancement of stuff like that. Some more gra- full-screen graphical applications, kind of like we did in the DOS days with uh, Print Shop Deluxe, stuff like that? Yep, exactly. So just not as easy to switch between them. No standard around that. Exactly, yes. Right, I, I guess I was thinking about that too, Chris uh, and Eric. Uh, what if, so So if these things were, if they just, if they, I'm thinking DOS here, right? And and DOS with a, I guess at first they would have started with a, a light pen and then possibly the mouse would have come out just like the joystick came out. The joystick was an input device, is an input device um, that helps you to uh, to interact with uh, the plane that you're flying and whatnot. I think that at some point, somebody would have come up with the idea of interacting with with graphical elements within a program. And by, by 2017, I mean, yeah, of course, maybe it's highly unlikely the GUI would, wouldn't have invented, been invented, but you know, that's, that's not our podcast here. So, <laughs> um, I think that, that, uh, that you're right. And, uh, but what about the standards between each program? I mean, every, every single software that you ran that was visualized in DOS looked different. They had, they had different menus and there was no standards. Right. There wouldn't be any, cons- any consistency because they would have to build their own interface for every single one. And I'm not just talking about that standard. I'm even talking about screen resolution. That That's actually a good point because I, I can give an example on that in terms of uh, Norton Commander, well, Norton Utilities versus, uh, I think it was, I forget what it was called actually. It was PC, PC Tools. Um, and that one actually, Norton was all text-based. Uh, it did have a mouse interface and everything. Uh, Midnight, uh, not Midnight Commander, but Norton Commander was actually a tool that was a file manager with a dual pane. Very popular, known, even in Linux world, uh, as Midnight Commander these days. But CompuServe, not CompuServe, uh, PC Tools had a competitive product that was very similar. But instead of it being a completely textual interface, what they did was they changed the text fonts, giving you a graphic looking pointing cursor <laughs> and better looking uh, borders for text text areas and everything like that making it look like a graphical interface but it was still a text mode application so it was really innovative for them and this was pretty much still before windows got popular and norm commander was was hugely popular um i i definitely remember using it and i know exactly what you're talking about eric uh, I used to use another one that came with later versions of DOS called DOS Shell, and that that pretty much did the same thing. You had uh, uh, something that looked like a box, and that was you can move this little box around, and that was your cursor uh, that you that you moved, and you can highlight text, you can actually copy paste, and do all kinds of stuff, same as you would with an editor. And then uh, I believe Microprose, uh, who who did who did that? Uh, whomever made WordStar, I want to say Microprose, but I'm not sure. Um, they actually went ahead and take it a step further and actually made it a pointing device later on. So that was um, that was interesting too. But nothing was standard. Everything your mouse would resize, the screen would resize to whatever your the developer decided that was going to be the screen resolution. Uh, I envision that in the future maybe they would have allowed users to change the resolution and everything, uh, just like you would change the resolution on a game. 
but the entire experience was is di- would be different. It would be like running a game and then running a different game. You know how your your icon is different, uh, your mouse cursor is different, your resolution is different. Everything would be different, and this would be across every single graphical application. That that would suck. Yeah, that that would suck. I I, I like standards, and standards makes it makes it easier for uh, for learning purposes and. Uh, and, and things that aren't standardized, they create, they 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 create hassles for people. They you have to learn it, and um, and the goal here is to make it as simple as possible. But it's just it, it's hard to envision with a command line interface only uh, operating system and and these applications that that would do that that would have graphics. Well, it's to adhere to standards. It's actually not because you can do it today. Uh, command line applications kept evolving in parallel with with graphical applications in Linux and Unix. You can do, if you wanted to, your entire or the majority of your workflow entirely with command line applications. You can check email. You can chat on various messaging services. You can edit it, images via image magic if you're masochistic and know all the command line flags. You can even edit video on the command line. Um, you can listen to music in various ways. There's even a command line Pandora client, which is honestly very intuitive. Um, you can integrate with online services. There's also, of course, the tried and true IRC for large-scale group chat, and there's even uh, command line clients for um, uh, modern things like uh, for example, Slack has their own IRC gateway, so you can use Slack that way. Um, for a while, oh, and I forgot to mention there are even uh, text mode web browsers, which, I mean, it's terrible to browse the web that way because we've become far too dependent on JavaScript and uh, extraneous, dare I say, superfluous technologies that have made the web a gigantic bloated mess, but I digress. But yes, it is uh, all within the realm of possibility. It's just not convenient in some parts. Do you think that all of these things would have come out without graphical user interfaces? So this stuff would have eventually just come out anyway? The emails, the, the, the chats, the um, everything you just mentioned. We had email before graphical user interfaces. Yep, definitely. We had instant messaging before graphical user interfaces. Web browsing is definitely a graphical era sort of a thing, though. Yeah, that one kind of started in, well, Web browsers started with the idea of graphics in the first place. Before that, there was Gopher, which was all textual, so, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, the web started on a machine that was, at the time, the epitome of a standardized graphical, well, a, a standardized everything. I mean, next step. That was one giant, well-thought-out standard. Yep. <laughs> so, maybe not the web. M- maybe we'll still be on Gopher. Okay. But let's take this a step further and say that, okay, if command line interfaces was the only thing that we could use now, and you know how back then you had a, a bunch of different operating systems coming out, CPM, uh, PC-DOS, uh, everything, everything um, that came out during that time, would we still have that going on today? And if so, how would standards work out with that? Would they, would they have, do you envision them having come up with a uh, some sort of consortium where they came up and developed standards of computing? Uh, or do you think that uh, perhaps 
and, and let's base this off of how it was how it was back then and kind of just take it forward a few years do you think that that would have ever happened and um or, or do you think that graphic that that command line interfaces and and different operating systems with them uh, would have completely different commands and syntaxes and people would have to learn the various syntaxes from operating system to operating system hmm i definitely think that each operating system would have their own uniqueness to them. I mean, they still do even to this very day. The, the difference between HPUX and AICS and Linux and BSD, they have their similar tools, but slightly different syntax in some aspects. Uh, so I definitely think that would definitely exist uh, with some major differences between them. Uh, DOS and Windows, or DOS and Unix were completely different. Uh, yeah. So you don't think um, by 2017 there would have been some sort of standard since since they're different now anyway, it probably would have stayed the same as far as having to learn the the commands for each OS to do the same thing, copy files, paste files. I think they would still be different. I mean, they were all made by humans. Um, you've seen the XKCD comic. Uh, there are 13 competing standards, if only there was a standard to bring them all together. There are now 14 competing standards. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I do think there there would be some work towards getting some, some level of consistency, as there had been in, in, in our history as it is. Uh, POSIX compliance were a good example, aimed towards getting a certain style of command line arguments, a certain output of the help information, so that it would have had a consistent layer of information. Uh, but other than that, I think that, that there would be a, a definite difference in some aspects, for sure. Enough to make it to where it's almost com- almost completely different, but still possibly completely still different. How, how about in the efforts of making computers more available to the mainstream? Uh, I think that one one step forward to that would be to standardize everything so people don't have to continue to continuously learn different uh, commands and everything. Um, but I, I guess I guess we weren't really at that point back then and if we kind of follow that model we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be at that point today either. I, I was just kind of thinking of a marketing strategy and how to get how to get more people involved with computers. But uh, if they all have different commands and everything, then somebody would learn the the X computer and somebody else would learn the Y computer and they each had their operating systems. Or, or maybe maybe there was one or several operating systems and they could all run on each other's platforms, but they would still have different standards. So um, different syntax, not one standard. It's just interesting to think. Even on singular operating systems, I mean, just in Linux alone, how many shells are there, Eric? Oh, way too many. There's, uh, I can count on my hands at least eight minimum. And I mean, yes, you can still, yes, the applications will still be the same, but how you interact and how you script them differs from shell to shell to shell. So I don't think we would have ever have had a good cross operating system command line standard. I don't think we ever will. Not a, not a hundred percent for sure. Probably more like 75% ish. What would, uh, piping? Would piping be something considered a considered a standard in the way you pipe information? It is now, and it was before graphical operating systems took off. And it Correct, was before. Yeah. Okay, so this was just one of those things that everybody agreed this is the way it should work. 
That was exactly that was one of those show a show a ladder to the caveman sort of things. Okay, that's interesting. I wonder where we would be then with that, and and then things like cell phones. Would we still have flip phones if there were no GUIs to interact with? It's hard to imagine a phone that would have a large screen, but it wouldn't. Uh, it, and it could have a keyboard, of course. Uh, but but you really wouldn't be able to uh to check your notifications. Uh, well, while driving, that's probably a good thing that you're not able to, but, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. The world might be safer because of that. <laughs> might be, might be. Although you would still get, are you ready? Text messages. <laughs> and somebody would want to reply to that text message while they're driving, staring at a command line, <laughs> which is kind of what you're looking at when you're texting anyway. That's a command line. Would you consider the early flip phones to be running on what we would label a graphical operating system? Early flip phones? I I didn't I don't remember seeing any graphical element. Well, I'm I'm thinking of more like the '90s versions of flip phones, like uh, the Motorola StarTac and things like that, where they they really didn't have you you would you would select your option, but it wasn't there was no cursor or anything like that. It was just uh, the text would would be highlighted or the area around the text would highlight. And, and and I think that definitely falls under the command line option. I guess uh, smartphones got their start with trying to shoehorn whole graphical desktop operating systems into a um, into a phone factor, with the exception of Palm, I guess, because theirs was always starting with mobile devices first. But somehow they just got it wrong when you compare it to what Apple did in two thousand seven. Yeah, I remember my Palm Pilot actually. It was actually a really good device considering everything else that was out there. <laughs> and we could consider that to be a graphical operating system that was not quite standard with desktop operating systems. Oh yeah, definitely. So so going along with these with my question about smartphones, what about what about other things like can you WYSIWYG a a text file in the command line? I guess this this could probably go back to they'd have to develop a graphical app. Not exactly. I mean, yes you could technically have and they did uh wordstar did it that by showing text in bolder characters or even colored uh blackbeard was another dos based uh, word processor that probably nobody's heard of um but i mean what you saw is literally what you got <laughs> bold text reverse text anything when you output that to uh, something like a printer yes okay okay of course That's... mind you it was all the same size text you couldn't really resize the text so easily all mm, that was the only aspect that you couldn't see what you got is the size of the text because they didn't really do that very well what they would do on those dos based uh board processors was make it a different color to represent that hey this particular line is this size so that that was one d aspect of it that was different so when you looked at it on the screen, it was a different color, and the color would represent the size of the text. So if I yep. was looking at a at blue text, we knew that this was uh, something like H1 text or H2? Yep, pretty much. And then it would print out larger or smaller? Yeah. Interesting. But what about the formatting of a page? You know, when you have uh, indents or you have uh, um, a space on, two, on both sides? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean... Uh, Blackbeard and Wordstar both had uh, the ability to have uh, even bullets and numbers, indentions, uh, double spacing, whatnots, uh, even even like a, an on-screen ruler just so you could see what was going on. Uh, 
so yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I was thinking then, uh, would, would graphical applications be bigger due to having to create all, all the needed graphical libraries? And, and by this, I mean any graphical application, any, anything from, from, uh, using a, a on-screen calculator to, to using a word processor, spreadsheet program, even to games, would they, would they require more space on disk, each one? Uh, or, or do you think that there would have been some sort of uh, something loaded in the operating system? Uh, I, I want to call it a daemon, but, uh, you know, something that would load in the beginning that would, okay, you can use these several different things as graphical options? I, well, at that point, that would be a graphical operating system. But I, I, I guess, I mean, because in, in here you have uh, text boxes and things like that, that, that the operating system provides as, uh, what is it, like a library of some sort? Yeah, and I can kind of see that being a possibility for a good example in the Unix world that actually didn't exist quite the same in the DOS world, but I do have a comparison for both sides. Um, Borland had a compiling product, uh, Borland Turbo Pascal, Borland Pascal, Borland C++, and uh, Linux has its C++ and C and everything like that. Well, Borland provided a text library for manipulating uh, in- interfaces like text user interfaces with borders, frames, and everything like that, menus, the whole nine yards. And this was actually used quite frequently, and they looked pretty much like they were always the same if they if the person programming it didn't do much customization. And, and it had things like pop-up windows that had shadows underneath them in a text windowing environment. Um, same kind of thing exists in the Linux world called Incurses, which is an open source uh, library that does basically the same thing in a, C fo- in a C fashion. So I think stuff like that might have been improved upon and, and more distributed and more widely used over time. That's true. Incurses is a shared quasi-graphical interface system that multiple programs use, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Even even your installer that you're using to install Linux is based on Incurses usually, or the alternative one, which I forget what it is. There's another text interface that's like Incurses, but lighter weight, quote-unquote. <laughs> but maybe in... So in the Windows and Apple world, there was only one way to do graphical interfaces. I mean, maybe more... Well, more than one, but those are largely standardized. Whereas in the Linux and Unix world, you have GTK, you have Qt, you have Motif. There's been many, and they're all competing, and they all lead to inconsistencies when used together. So, point is, maybe in the commercial enterprise world, without a standardized graphical system, um, there may be more competing graphical standards that applications have the choice of using. And more would probably still build their own than they do now. So yes to your question. And yes, things will be, will be bigger. And yes, things would be more inconsistent. But how about having these on the operating system themselves? Do you think that they would be included on the operating system, these, uh, these various things? Would they, be, would they be included in the operating system and then, and then the, for, for developers to use for their graphical programs. Well, at that point, that would be a graphical operating system with an API that developers could hook into. 
which we're pretending didn't happen. Very true. Uh, in the case of like Borland Pascal, as a, an example, that was not part of the operating system, those libraries. It was part of the commercial product that you purchased. But do you think like a like a Microsoft would have come out with their version of DOS that would have come with these libraries built in? That's called Windows. Right, but but let's just say these are these are things that they could they could use for their for their program. So this could help with a standard. We're we're still in the command line world, but but there's these options that you could use maybe coming with the operating system, maybe not that people could use so that their operating system could start to develop some sort of standards. I think that it would definitely be possible. I mean, FreeDOS actually did do something kind of like that. Not not quite to the scale that we, I would expect to have seen, but they started it, but didn't do much with it, just because they wanted to enhance their own tools that are provided with the operating system. It's certainly within the realm of possibility. I did, not, I did not, however, Eric, uh, consider that those tools and libraries would be a part of the development environment I- itself. Yeah. I mean, 30 years is a long time, Chris. Yeah. Uh, with command line. So I don't know uh, if if maybe at some point, whomever was building these things at this point, uh, <laughs> digital research, if digital research had decided, hey, we should probably standardize all these graphical applications coming out because they're creating some sort of inconsistency between applications and it's turning off our users. Uh, so they build these libraries to, and then they can invoke them at will, uh, the, the programmers can. And so at that point, that might solve the whole programs being larger than they should be, uh, or should be is you know, subjective. I mean, should be because, uh, because they would have to include everything, but in here, the, they may not have to be as, as, as large as, as we think. They may not have to include everything. Problem with the speculation is it's all a big maybe. But it's fun. It is fun. It is true. I mean, everything about this whole topic is a maybe. <laughs> <so>. Sure. <laughs> how about, how about this one? I have another question. Do you think could you still take screenshots of specific sections of your screen with a command line? Oh, definitely. I was actually able to do that in Microsoft Dots DOS with a tool, either Desk View or uh, what was it? Uh, shoot, I forget. Sidekick. Yeah, Sidekick, because it would let you take a screenshot of the screen that you are looking at right now, so that you could print it out or save it to a file or anything, basically. He's talking about when you can click and drag over a specific smaller section of the screen. And I think you could, honestly. Um, if, you had an, if you had an application that could take, a, take an image of the entire console, launch up its own uh, graphical interface that gave you uh, enough of an interface to click and drag and crop that portion of it, then yes. So something like your cursor would turn into a crosshairs or something like that. Yeah, but it would have click to and drag. be in its own dedicated way of doing it, but it can start with a full-size image of your screen first. Uh, okay, so that way you can only take a picture, uh, a screenshot of the command you're running or something. I don't know why you wouldn't copy and paste, but whatever, we're beyond that. So <laughs> we want to take a picture, a JPEG, whatever, of the command that you're using and the output. But So you could do that. Why would you want to do that when you could spit it out to a text file? That's even better and smaller. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking perhaps maybe... Uh, they they resize it. They they use a different uh, they use a different text character. Ooh, what about styling your own command line? 
So if you wanted to use different fonts on your command line, do you think that would be something that would be... You know how people theme their operating system, especially back in the 90s, people loved doing this. Uh, and even in the XP days, uh, they even now, uh, they would change their mouse icon and everything to whatever uh, and then put their own wallpapers. What about wallpaper on the command line and changing the fonts as you type them? That's still a command line. We do that now. Yep. Uh, Linux has the Visa frame buffer mode, which allows you to have like a background for the entire console. And I spent hours just playing with, with different console fonts, trying to find the, the best possible monospace font. Um, hell, I've had my terminal literally spit rainbows out at me with the, 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 <laughs> the uh, lolcat command. Pipe, it, pipe, everything, pipe everything through that. Bam. Rainbows. Wow. Oh, man. All right. So, so at this point, we're... You know, our, our command line has, has evolved, oh, right, oh, 30 oh, oh, years oh. from... Sorry, um, and you, uh, remember with the the uh, BBS setup, all the crazy ASCII art that, that uh, we were yes. using for, uh, that we were seeing used for, yes. for backgrounds, and yeah, that's an extreme example of that. Or, I'm sorry, not ASCII art, ANSI art. ANSI art, yeah. ASCII art's no color, but ANSI was red yes. color. I'm thinking of... Uh... And and I think you already answered this, but I was thinking more of a along the lines of a command line interface with text that looked like cursive and text that became bold because you wanted it that way because you wanted to theme your operating system. Well, bold actually does technically exist on even the consoles today. Um, it actually existed a little bit differently on the, the DOS world because it would their version of bold was just a higher intense color. Even uh, now, we do have the same concept of intensity of color to make it more bold, but there's also a font that actually can make that, that particular font look a little thicker just to give it that emphasis on bold. Okay. I think something like that would probably definitely still exist, obviously, since it does even today. Do you think we uh, would have had... Um, do you think we would have ever have left uh, uh, bedmap fonts? Do you think we would ever have... Uh, true type and true vector fonts. That, mm, that's a. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think we for the console we wouldn't be we we would still probably be on bitmap fonts because they're 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 fast they're reliable and good. Um, I think that we would have special fonts pro- for more specific applicational use, like word processors. It's just displaying those. We probably wouldn't have a standard for how fonts are handled. Yeah, that that's the big one because originally the, the back in the day, what we had for fonts wasn't on the computer but in the printer. The printer had. The oh, fonts. that's right. It actually. Uh huh. I had an old Epson printer, and it, you you could install font cartridges. Ew. <laughs> I remember. Um, yeah, I remember know. a Computer Chronicles review of a. Um, of a printer, and you could purchase more fonts for the printer, like an extra four fonts for the low, low price of two hundred dollars. That was amazing. Wow, that I, I hadn't really. I mean, I, I knew that that was a thing back then, but I, I didn't really. I wasn't really thinking that right now. I was more thinking about along the lines of I'm, I'm trying to envision a command line operating system thirty years into the future. Uh, so I was trying to envision that interface and thinking that maybe. There would be cursive fonts. There would be vector fonts. There would be wallpapers, screenshots, and 
graphical elements that could possibly load in in the beginning uh, when loading, or, or or they could just be invoked at will. Um, I wasn't thinking that it would just this this whole the WYSIWYG wasn't even really needed by by the operating system itself. It was just it's a uh, it's it's an output thing. It's a uh, the printer would 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 have that, and not the operating system itself. Yeah, if we didn't have uh, a graphical user interface, I think we would probably be still stuck with our printers handling fonts. It's a good possibility anyway. We might not have um, as developed broadband as we do now if the majority of what we're passing back and forth over the wire was still text. Well, I mean, what about binaries, though? Binaries would still be large video. Uh, if you were still transferring large video, games, that, videos, yeah. large games, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I see your point, Chris. You wouldn't have to really load websites quickly. So for the most part, most users that were using computers, if they weren't transferring large files, a slow a modem connection would be absolutely fine. It'd be more than fine. You know, it'd be great. Um, but anything anything beyond that, I can still envision servers needing high bandwidth. Um, I could still envision. Uh, something like a database is still needing, um, the, the, you know, the databases on on the cloud, you know, uh, virtualized operating systems. They w- would need it because they're serving many clients, but really the amounts that they would need would be minuscule compared to what they need today. But something like a game client, um, think of Steam. Think of Steam on on a command line. It would still have to doubt. It would. It would still need the bandwidth to be able to, to for you to download your game, etc. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Steam for dot for Steam for the command line is a definitely good example because it would be downloading lots and lots of stuff, or even YouTube, especially since. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess this probably is a good segue into a a a, a topic regarding display drivers. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know that 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 blows my mind. I, I don't know why why would display drivers are needed by the GUI operating system. So who would be making the display drivers? The video, uh, the the people making the video cards, or would it be the people making the games and the people making these applications that required different types of graphics? I think we would actually be using something actually standard for once, unlike we are today. <laughs> what are we doing today? For example, OpenGL would be widely more used rather than DirectX, for example. So why why is that? I mean, do you think OpenGL because because the the developers that made a game, a particular game, wouldn't have to uh, they, they they could just they could just copy those libraries and use it towards for for their game or yes, and because the hardware within the video card already handles working with it, so. It gives them some level of abstraction that they can use even today. I just think they would be further improved and may be even easier for developers and even still faster and all mostly powered by the hardware itself as it is today, just in a different fashion. So you think maybe in the in that in this hypothetical scenario, video cards wouldn't really need drivers. It would just need they would all need to conform to an OpenGL standard, so you would upgrade your video card due to the OpenGL version that it supported? Yes, I think so. 
So so my card is a like a let's say you have a GeForce three and it's OpenGL two point compatible, and then the GeForce four comes out, that's OpenGL three point Now you can run OpenGL three point and two point apps. Okay, okay, I can see that. No no drivers needed. You just it would just run. Yeah, and that's kind of where games started back in the days before Windows really started getting popular, is that you would run uh, a game that didn't even require a driver, just a specific interface within the hardware to be able to, to interface with the high-speed graphics that was like OpenGL. This was even before OpenGL existed. VBE was a good example, I believe. Um, but DOS4GW was m- more than just a a graphical interface, but it was a way to access both the physical memory of the of the computer and the video memory of the of the graphics card. That that's actually really interesting. I, I was I was thinking about uh, a, a few DOS games. Uh, Duke Nukem comes to, comes to mind when it asked me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what kind of display, what kind of screen resolution. It actually asks you all these things in setup, and then I think DOS for for uh, the GW. Uh, would would run after that, um, but what about what about display memory and things like that? So I guess I guess there wouldn't be as many video cards with different display memory and different configurations because that's all handled by the driver. Exactly, I think we would have less variation. Still different companies, obviously, because even then we had so many different companies, um, but different levels of performance for that that card, different levels of quality, maybe even. Hmm. Now we focus more on now we focus more on frames per second performance of the video card, but I think in this alternate future or in this alternate timeline, we would be more focused on on capabilities on comp- uh, on capabilities of the of the card. Can you run a particular game because it's written for a different version of OpenGL? Or perhaps you could have the game still support multiple versions of OpenGL, but you wouldn't look as great on older versions. That's also true. I mean, uh, one game, one of my old favorite games was MDK, and although it didn't have a DOS version that I recall, but they made two different versions, and they did this because they wanted to make fun of Direct Microsoft DirectX. <laughs> they did a really good job, because what they did was the DirectX version looked okay, but the OpenGL version was faster and looked better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, actually, um, uh, with 3D effects, wasn't Glide included with the uh, with the game itself? The Glide wrapper, I think, yes. was included with the game itself. Yep. And uh, and it wasn't it wasn't like DOS had a driver for. Did did we have Voodoo drivers for DOS? I mean, I, I don't I don't nope. recall. It was part, part of, of the game. Uh, I think it was. I think the the Glide. API was sold to game developers to work with mm-hmm. to make it work with that particular card. Okay, I don't, I don't know if we would have that same problem today, where we'd have to buy the license to be able to use this particular interface. I think it would be more standardized, like we are now today, kind of with the OpenGL or something similar. But it's a toss-up. Sure, <laughs> it might actually turn the way to where you'd have to pay for this graphical interface for this card and maybe even have to support different cards Ooh, like OpenGL could be the free just like it is now the free standard and then yeah. and glide would be the one that you that that programmers would have to pay 
in order to use their stuff. So it's very similar to, to how, how video works now. Uh, if you want to play a Blu-ray, uh, for any Blu-ray that is made, uh, that license to to create the Blu-ray, that license goes to Sony. So so that license is... a Sony has that license, is what I'm trying to say. And any, any movie studio that wants to release their product to Blu-ray has to pay Sony a royalty. Or for for the first yeah. license, I mean. So I guess it would work out the same way with these proprietary uh, drivers and whatnot. You know, quote unquote drivers that games would have to include. Okay. Yeah, that that's definitely a possibility that it, that it could have happened that way. That's not good. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 two ways they could have gone with a stand a single standard or multiple standards on that. I think it would have probably gone towards a common standard, but. You never know. <laughs> so I'd like to change the subject, if that's okay. Sure. On um, one thing that I don't think we even have in our notes, when you look at people growing up with their first computers today, it's usually, oh, the kid's crying, shove a tablet in their face, and they'll, they'll shut up for a while. But now that we have um, things that are completely graphical, you just smash it on the screen a few times and something happens, they're not learning anything about what's going on behind the screen at all. They don't encourage learning about how it works. So graphical operating systems basically exist so you don't have to learn as much. And I think we're now seeing an extreme form of that. So I think in a way it's kind of been a bad thing because true, if we did not if we were if we were not standardized around graphical interfaces, there would not be um as many people into computing, but those who were into computing would all be much smarter about it, would all be more marketable in computing-related job fields. Um, I think the entire, I think uh, 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 communities around technology would be, I don't know, smaller, but much more tightly knit. I can't, I can't deny that that would happen, Chris. I mean, I think that I certainly think that there would be more of a niche market, uh, and and the people that would be uh, involved in computers would would um, they they it, it was more like a hobby and like a passion for them more than it is for for the mainstream for for regular users now that just turn it on to check their messages and whatnot. But uh, I I see your point. It, it's just when when it messes with with the ability for humankind to innovate because they have a barrier such as the command line to overcome i'm all about simplifying things um i'm all about inviting then i then i then i would be about creating a barrier that there is an obstacle you have to overcome before you can get to to doing anything you want to paint okay but first you need to learn how to drive to get there to get to the store to buy the brushes and everything to paint so, but I certainly see your point. Uh, it would be more of a close-knit community uh, and a very passionate one, I think, at that. So what you're saying is uh, it, that that's much better than you want to paint. Okay, first you have to chop down the trees to make the lumber, to make the easel, and then uh, create all the materials to go and make your canvas and dye and bleach it, and then go and find your, and learn how to make your own colors, mix them together, make your own paints, and then uh, go and get some horse hair for a brush and so on and so on. And then you can paint compared to, okay, here's exactly. your painting materials. Start painting. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> with not so many words, uh, that's what I meant. Um, so 
So I, I really, um, I want to encourage people to, to be creative and any, any obstacle that is there with given enough time, effort, money, everything, it, it, it should be overcome rather than here's a, here's a, here's an obstacle that you have to overcome before you get there. So, um, I, I don't really agree with your statement, Chris, but I do see the, I, I, I do see your point and I do think that the community would be much more, uh, first of all, computer people would be like gods, <laughs> you know, they'd be in a whole different realm. They'd be in a different level than anybody else. It'd be like talking to a doctor about something complex and you don't really know what that is. You just want it to, you know, you want your pain to go away. Same thing with the computer. Uh, you, you just need this to happen and you don't really care. So you just give it to tech and they handle it. So that's, that's how I think that that would be. Um, if we had stuck with command lines only with command lines. Fair point. Um, well, I, I'd like to talk about the things that would still be here. Uh, we have a small list here made, um, and I think it'd be great to point out, uh, just to, I guess, kind of amaze users or not amaze, uh, depends on who's listening, but, uh, but, uh, just to point it out, the things that would still be here if we didn't have a GUI operating system. So I guess, uh, well... Without further ado, we would have the following. Word processors, spreadsheets, text editors, sound players, video players, emails, viruses, interactivity with other computers, such as uh, using the internet or your own even local LAN, uh, using file transfers and having file servers. You would have games. You would have peripherals like light pens, joysticks, printers, scanners, uh, perhaps even a mouse. Uh, you would be able to have remote help sessions if needed, uh, as Chris has helped me out numerous times with uh, remote command line sessions. And uh, you would have multitasking. And actually, multitasking was one thing that we really didn't discuss much. Um, I had the idea of something like a power user dividing a screen, let's say in in uh, CLI world you know, 3.0, you're able to divide your screen up into different sections. Okay, so so imagine a screen divided into four, and then each one would be would be a, a command line, and you could alt tab between them. Okay, and you can run various commands and execute. That's what I had envisioned. That or either just uh, what is that command, Chris? You told me about alt uh, F1 or something to switch to another screen uh, for for multitasking. But, um, but, uh, yeah, we would have multitasking. Yeah. For sure. And we still do in command line only environments. You can, you have, uh, virtual consoles in Linux and Unix. So you can do control alt F1 through F, however many of them you make. Um, and as far as splitting the screen up into multiple sections, you can do that now with, uh, terminal multiplexers like, uh, screen or tmux, and you can make as many splits as you want and switch between them. And I think there were even early versions of DOS that could do something similar. Yes, there was. There was a product called DeskView by Quitterdeck, and it was a multitasking uh, text user interface uh, screen multiplexer, multitasking environment. It basically added multitasking to DOS where it didn't have it before. Um, but it, it could split the screen up into different sections. You could switch whole screens over, just like you can with Linux, but different and probably a little bit easier to use. 
than Screen and Tmux, for example. That's great. Um, I actually do remember seeing a Computer Chronicles episode where they showcased, uh, I think it was a software like that, where it did have multitasking um, built in. Uh, I thought that was great. Um, and then, of course, we would have multi-user sessions. We have it today. I'm, I'm 100% sure we would have it as well. We had them so, before graphical operating systems were uh, fully realized. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Unix started as a multi-user operating system. I'm amazed at how many things we would still have. Uh, until uh, until we started coming up with this list, I I wasn't uh, I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew that the command line was powerful, but then after reading this list, I, you know, wow, you could totally do everything that you can. And actually, Chris, maybe you could tell us about your experience about switching completely to only using the command line. Uh, I, f- I think what what did you do it for a week or something like that? Oh, you forgot to mention we would still have web browsers too. Oh, web browsers. Let me put that on the list, too. That's right. In our alternate world, we would have that. And we have it now. I mean, they're text browsers, but yeah. Well, I mean, for every graphical application, there is a command line equivalent of some sort. And it's fun sometimes to see how many of those you can you can get by with until it becomes too painful. How long did you uh, try your uh, command line experience for that? I remember you telling me that uh, you tried to do it once. Well, I mean, with the exception of my web browser and maybe messaging and video chatting, that's still how I live. Um, I don't email anymore in command line uh, clients because I need a fully integrated email calendar solution that I don't, I don't, that I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours setting up. But the majority of what I do is still in a command line because my job requires it. If I want to shuffle files around, I can do it faster on a command line. I'm, I'm recording this podcast through, through command line utilities. Um, whenever I take notes, I do it in a command line text editor. Whenever I write anything, it's in a command line text editor because they're just faster and, for me, easier to use. Would you, uh, would you ever take up that challenge of removing completely the, uh, removing the GUI completely away? No. Nah. I tried it. Uh, browsing the web is just painful. Text space. <laughs> uh, what about you, Eric? I'm I, I'm sure you've done plenty of similar experiments. Oh yeah, I mean I've used uh, command line IRC clients, for example, command line instant messengers. Uh, there's actually uh, an old program that probably still exists. I don't know if it still works, but LICQ or something like that existed. And it had plugins for all sorts of different instant messenger in, in, inter, uh, services like AOL Instant Messenger, ICQ, MSN Messenger when it still existed, all sorts of things. And I don't know. I mean, if I had to go back to the command line, I would be mostly okay. But the one, some of the one, some of the few issues that I would miss is obviously web browsing with a decent web browser. Uh, probably I'd hope that somebody would invent some kind of tool that was a, a little bit more innovative than links. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I mean, most of my work is in command line as well. I do a lot of things that are uh, graphical just because of convenience. Of course, I do take my notes in like little graphical notepad, like sticky notes, but... Not Chris, he turns on his DOS machine to write to type <laughs> his notes. <laughs> yeah, there we he go. He writes his notes wow. in editor. You know one thing that makes me really twitchy? Whenever someone sees me working and says, 
Oh, why are you using DOS? <laughs> it's not DOS, I'll it's say Linux. I'll it to you next time. <laughs> They're no way the same at all whatsoever. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I remember that. Yeah. Why are you still using that? <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of a time that we had like video camera crews coming into the office one day and they were trying to take videos of everybody working, but they wanted to avoid people's screens, but make it look to where you're working and stuff like that. But some people, you know, had something they could demonstrate on their screen without actually, you know, revealing company secrets or whatnot. But then they see all those people that had all these consoles up and they're like, yeah, let's go to the next person. <laughs> <laughs> Someone put on a, a, a Matrix screensaver. Shoot that. <laughs> I've seen that on the news several times. You know, they're hacking the Pentagon again. And then they show the Matrix screensaver. <laughs> I don't really think they know what to show. So I was uh, watching um, Fargo recently and they did a uh, one of those typical... Um, over the shoulder, working on a server shots, and I was trying to figure out which tools he was using because a few of them were were actual tools. Um, some of them were just like random gobbledygook text and fake interfaces, but I think I saw HTOP going because that has all kinds of colors and bars and graphs going back and forth. And yeah, I know movies I love that. to use uh, Nmap. At least the Matrix did. There is a. That reminds me of the the Matrix. I believe Trinity on the second Matrix on um, was it Matrix Reloaded? I believe she used an actual Linux hack on one of the episodes to take down the uh, power the, the the power station. The man been the I'm one where sure. she was using Nmap, but I forget. I haven't seen that in so long. Maybe she ran top. I know that. Uh, what's that show? Um, Mr. Robot. They do a lot of actual real world stuff on their on their show which is all based on the command line and mostly real world commands except for you know a few couple that are you know custom programmed or whatnot but i mean i've seen nmap used on the show as an example <laughs> i can tell you the uh, majority of um real world hacking is mostly command line based yep definitely sure is come on there's no hack button <laughs> <laughs> Hack the world. I think even they even used a command line in uh, in hackers, but uh, we all remember that fiasco internet. Uh, Watch out for that a, window. Yeah. That is such a cringy movie. <laughs> they they tried, but they mostly just did eye candy on that particular show. In fact, what window blinds is what they used for that particular show. <laughs> believe it or not. Huh. Wow. Oh. Window blinds is is quite commonly used in making those graphical fantasy user interfaces for TV sh- movies or TV shows. Huh. Oh, and Swordfish. I remember... Uh, the, the, oh, Swordfish, that's right. Hacking looks like 3D cubes. Oh, That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we're kind of in the weeds at this point. I don't have anything else to, to say about this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you guys have anything? I don't. Well, it depends. But it's the Monkey Island scenario. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Um, no, it's it's basically, Eric, the same thing that we had discussed uh, about uh, uh, about companies or, or programmers using uh, th- their own methods to, to provide graphics and graphical elements to their programs. So it, it's, it's uh. like having a web browser 
and and it would have its own icons and its own set of things without any standards. So the Monkey Island scenario was it reminded me of uh, the game Monkey Island because when you start up Monkey Island, you actually can uh, pick up, use, open, close. You know, you can do several things within its own uh, within its own uh, kind of gooey elements. So that reminded me of uh, Monkey Island. So that's why I called it the Monkey Island scenario. I see. And that kind of makes sense, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could do a lot of stuff with, with that uh, I, I, with that kind of gooey that they made. Um, so that's, that's what reminded me of that. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, that wraps it up for this episode. If anyone would like to get in contact with us, they can message us on Twitter at ForkBombPodcast via email by emailing ForkBombPodcast at gmail.com or by looking up ForkBombPodcast on Facebook. Thanks, Chris. And that's all for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps up episode 12. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you again, Euro. Thank you, guys. It was fun speculating with you. Good night. Indeed.